Thanks for tuning in to the Equip Podcast. My name is Jeff Christ. I'm the lead pastor of Gateway Assembly. We're so excited to bring you some leadership principles and practices to equip you in your calling. We believe that you can do what God has called you to do. So let's get right into it. Hey, so last time we uh, started this discussion about building a team. We should have called it building a healthy team. Hopefully we can, yeah. uh, that's what we'll call this one, building a healthy team, part two. Here we go. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about hiring processes and all these different aspects of building a team, but really what kind of what we began to focus on was um, more building the overall. I want to focus more on now how do you pick out who to hire? How do you pick out the individuals? How do you go one by one and build it? And you guys, I think, Pastor Angel will give me an amen on this. In terms of putting together a team that fits your culture and DNA, because culture is everything, amen? Like that's like, yeah. that's, I know Pastor Angel's mantra here. Um, in terms of putting that together, um, what's that? I said, we'll see. <laughs> um, in terms of putting that together, you know, I want to talk about the hiring process, but first with culture, Okay. People are attracted to healthy culture. They're attracted to vibrant, exciting culture. Let's just put you on the spot. Why do people want to or why do they enjoy working for you? Or do they? Yeah. <laughs> they love it. Yeah. <laughs> They're standing in line to work for me. Yeah. <laughs> what about it? Like, why, Are people drawn to your team, to your ministry? Or do people enjoy? Why? Tell me why. What's the secret sauce? I think one real quick, one of the huge things is being a part of something bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. If you as a leader are casting vision, they want to be a, about changed lives and something much grander than they could ever do individually. David. Okay. That's awesome. I think it's uh, two things, fun and focused. Yeah. We are a fun sure. staff. We are personable. We, we, uh, we care about each other. There's a family atmosphere. But we're also focused on the mission, you know, being part of something big, something effective, yeah. where you just don't say this is the vision, but the culture actually supports that, and our value systems support it to where they do. People, we do want people to come to the Lord. We do want people, families to be healed. They're seeing that happen, and they're part of it, and uh, us as leaders reminding them of it. It doesn't matter what you do in, in, the, in the ministry or in the church organization, you're part of every win. And we share those wins and we celebrate them. So culture will uh, continue to be celebrative and exciting. That's good. That's good. Are you referring to why people on the team want to follow us? I'd say, I'd say more like uh, the people that already exist on your team, why do they enjoy being there? Or do they? do they? Do they come to work excited? Do they like being a part of the Rock Church team? Or people looking in, for instance, I know like for me, being in youth and young adult ministry, they like look at what we do at Gateway and they're like, oh, I want to be a part of that. Like they would love to work there. Why? Why are they drawn to it or why do they stick with it? I would probably say our church is full of passion, a lot of life. So I think that's attractive to our team. I'd also say there's a spirit of authenticity. I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but we don't just say it. Mm -hmm. It's who we are, really yeah. authentic. It's something I shared uh, an episode or two ago just about the super and the natural. I think that our team sees that. They see us relying on God doing super powerful things in our church. There's a strong dependency on God, but there's also the natural or the practical. We're not, we're, there's a healthy rhythm there. Yeah. There's a healthy balance there uh, of the super and the natural where, where we do a lot of strong practical things as well. And, and that, that I think is needed in this generation. That's super good. For us, it's all about all the above, what these guys said. But I think the number one thing that sticks out for us is family, community. Mm. Uh, you know, this generation, the younger generation, needs family. Yeah. Uh, they don't have family. And so um, my problem is I wish I had enough money to hire so many yeah. of these that uh, want to be part of the family. And... Um, and I, I think it's so important to create a family atmosphere. I yeah. learned that when I was on staff with my dad. Yeah. He constantly created this family because he told us, if this isn't unified, the church will not be unified. And yeah. so we work very strong at unifying the inner circle so the outer circle is always talk to, unified. Talk to me about uh, creating a culture of family. And, and if, I want each of you to break down... You say you got this culture. 
what's the what's the ingredients in this secret sauce? Like, what are you doing specifically? Be specific. You can talk about meetings. You can talk about strategies, whatever. What are you doing to keep, to attract, to build a healthy team? So in terms of family, can you talk to me some of the practical things you do when you say that your team is a family? What do you do to help cultivate that culture of family? You know, yeah, um, it's... it's um no matter how big or small uh, the church gets, the pastor should always, it uh, goes back to fathering, uh, goes back to um, being vulnerable yourself and also transparent um, and just being available. Um, I'm available. I love it when a young adult guy will uh, uh, text me or call me up. And say, hey, can can you take me to Starbucks, you know? And uh, can we spend some time, um, you know, just around the table? Do you, would you have some time for me? Yeah. And um, I, I love that. Um, if it's a young lady, of course, uh, my wife will be a part of that, uh, and so on. And so I think the for me, it's always about being available. So it's more than get the job done. It's more than just like, hey, get your hours, right. and it's. You care about the personal investment, just like you would your own kids, uh, and their personal walk with God and things like that, and that you think that helps create family. Yeah, one of the things that uh, we have done here at Gateway is we hire within. So the last 15, 16 years, we will only hire within. Um, so one of my last hires was our children's pastor. Uh, he's been with us maybe six years now. He's um, as a uh, he was a volunteer three years prior. Mm he's been with me full-time three years. Well, the year before that, um, I set it up with him for me to father him for one year. And I told him, I said, if I can't, uh, or if you can't be transparent with me, I don't want you part of my team. Uh, both him and his wife, I said, I, I want to talk about, you name it. Uh, my wife and I, we, we uh, mentored them, you know, fathered them, so on. But they had to be transparent uh, about their marriage, about, um, you know, the basic practical things of life that this culture is throwing in our face. Yeah. And that's everything. And so if they couldn't be transparent, I don't think I would want them on my team. And so that is one of the, um, uh, I believe, the aspects of family. Because you're protecting the family. I'm protecting the community the family, the whole family, uh, the inner circle family. So if you're going to add someone to the family, we want to make sure it's going to jive with the family. Yeah. Right? It's like my middle school pastor right now, he's single. Uh, just want to let you know he's single out there. Shout out to Ooh, uh, <laughs> all the single but, ladies. <laughs> but with that said, I'm very protective on who he's going to marry. Yeah. If he's going to stay with me, because who he marries is going to affect the family. And so, um, you know, I'm not paranoid about it. I right. don't go at it fearful about it. You just care it. about the outcome I of his life. I care about the yeah. outcome of his life. And also because they don't, these, everybody that works for me, they don't sign contracts. But I want them to look at working for me that they're here until they're retired. Yeah. Uh, I want them to have that mindset. Yeah. The, actually, the back here of our campus, it's where all of our gravestones go. We just <laughs> die here. Just joking. Okay, talk to me, guys. Cultivating culture. Like, what's some of the things you do practically to... So, Pastor uh, here treats it as a family with Gateway. Some of the things you guys shared or what you didn't share. What are you doing to either make it attractive or keep people practically with this culture at your church? Anybody? Oh, he's talking about the family. I started thinking about the Godfather. <laughs> yeah. Every episode, are you just going to bring yeah. a movie out? A healthy family. A healthy, healthy family. Healthy. Well, it wasn't healthy. Well, okay, let's not go Make him an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> this isn't something that's always been a strength of ours, you know, the family atmosphere. I, I, although I think it's, it started that way. We had about three or four years, maybe five years in the middle, and it got a little bit... Uh, rough or it wasn't a family atmosphere. I think we're getting back to that. And some of the practical things that have helped us to get back to that is a lot more one-on-ones with people in the family. You know, I get, once a month I'm with one-on-one -on -one with every pastor. Um, I hired an executive pastor who's extremely personal, done a great job. Same thing, he's meeting with everybody 
I believe once a week, one-on-one. -on -one. And then obviously you got your, your meetings where there's three and there's 15 or whatever it might be. So I think breaking it up that way has really helped mm -hmm. create a culture. And we're doing more fun things too. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're going out to restaurants together. We're, 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 we're just doing more gatherings outside of the building. That's Let's good. go have a fun day. And the church blesses them, and, and, and we, we, we see the benefits of it because it's so relational and so fun. We see the fruit of that later. Yeah, fun and focused. That's good. Fun and focused. I like that. Well, I think the, the culture doesn't always have to be family. I think part of the culture is family because that's healthy. Mm -hmm. But just that we accomplish what our goals are, the culture that we get, get stuff done. And so we might yell out, it's go time. You know, that might be something we would say during a big event um, or when we're getting things together. And so I think the culture is hardworking. There's a, a value we have as a staff is that we think the best of each other unless proven otherwise. So we don't assume right. that somebody is doing something you know, wrong or, you know, sharing volunteers. Uh, too much or, you know, all of those things that can happen within a staff. Mm -hmm. But I think caring about each other is very important as a family, but also looking out for one another, cheering one another on. If this this section's children win ministry has a win, we all have a win. Yeah. Okay. If foster care has a win, we all have a win. If if we have a good weekend, everyone has a good weekend at either campus. And um, keeping that family feel is is Two things that tougher. stick out to me here. Uh, I love the idea of it's the a family but you can't treat it so much like it's a family to the point that like you don't get the chores done around the house right. you, you got to oh, yeah. work hard right, right. so yeah. I love this thought um, from that the second thing you just talked about here is celebrating wins could anybody uh, pastor Nate, if you have or anybody talk practically how do you celebrate wins where do you do it when do you do it how much do you do it anything like that because I think that's something that lacks a lot is we finish one thing we go to the next thing yeah. and we didn't stop and celebrate what God just did we so. yeah we define our wins you can't just say hey we had service it was good had a good service <laughs> had a good Wednesday night it was yeah. good meaning nobody stormed out nobody got mad <laughs> yeah. it has to involve our three you know our loving God loving people serving the world so we want the win to have a name attached to it I saw so-and-so, he's been coming with the wife for a year, he's never worshipped, he closed his eyes and lifted his hands. Good. That's loving people, that's discipleship, that's a win. So at the beginning of every staff meeting, every week we'll share a win, okay. and some of those wins are transferred to a public sharing where we would celebrate something, not just a big event, so we had a great event, and hundreds of people are here, whatever, but that it's an individual share. They've been in children's ministry since we started the church. You know what, we need to recognize that. Yeah. Good. So you, you celebrate wins at staff meeting once a week. It has to have a name attached to it. And Personal. now that even gives a springboard to become a testimony now before the whole church. And testimonies, man, that's power for the church. Hey, one, David, one of the great uh, examples of a win for me was I was guest speaking at Angelo's church probably six, eight years ago. And on Sunday morning, uh, he just, they had just done an outreach the day before and they went to their announcement time and just the moderator of the service before Angelo introduced me, he said, here's what you need to see what we did yesterday. And that it was such a win. They were doing an outreach in the community. They just did a, a literally a 70 second, I would imagine clip. You know what? They were handing out food. They were doing kind of a sidewalk uh, VBS. And it was a huge win. People that were just kind of at the outer crowd, now they could see how, you know what, I can become part of the core. And it was all a win, celebrating a win. We touched the community. And I went away from that guest speaking. Like I, I felt like I learned something great just yeah. how to celebrate in a, in quickly after the win, because you do, yeah. you, you're right. So much of ministry is cyclical. Yeah. You know what you get through with a Sunday or you do an yeah, outreach the next thing coming, and man, yeah. you're, you're talking about that in the staff, next staff meeting, but to have those opportunities, whether it's in a, a email blast or a 70 second spot in your service or um, maybe a year end review. And this is one of the things yeah. you got to do that because it is, um, it's so task-oriented ministry, and you got to celebrate those wins. And so I like for our culture, um, 
the family has been mentioned. I, I really use the win idea of team. Mm -hmm. You know what? Teams always got to have a coach. And, but you don't, the best teams, they don't have similar players. I played mm -hmm. point guarding in uh, high school and college. But mm -hmm. you know what? I wasn't playing center. The, the, we weren't going to yeah. win many, many team, win yeah. games. But to help people understand, what's my role on the team? And uh, even if I'm not, quote unquote, uh, out on the court, visible, you know what, in practice, I, I work hard mm -hmm. so that everybody, so the, the, even some of the behind the scenes work, everybody plays a role. And I think that uh, good teams, they, they recognize that. They celebrate, this isn't about a star, it's not about a pastor, it's not about who's up most visible, but you know, uh, the, the person that is, uh, on the team is just highly valued as much as the prominent people. That's huge. I think that's awesome. Um, I know that this is subjective to culture. I know uh, demographic and all of that. But in terms of where each of you live, it's different sized cities, it's different people groups there. You talk about building a healthy team. You talk about um, having a culture that keeps people, a culture that sticks, a culture that draws. Um, now let's talk about who we're going to start getting on the team. Now, I know all of you have been in ministry for many years, so let's go back to the beginning. you got some people that may be tuning in, pastors, that small city or small team, or it's just them, and they're at the beginning, or maybe some, they have some staff, but they need to continue to build from there. Let's just kind of go ground up. Let's give like maybe five hires that you're going to make to start you know, your church off, to start to get this organization kicking here. Who do you hire first? And then if you have different opinions, let's talk about it. Let's, what size is the church? I think just, I think it's different for everybody, but let's just say, let's talk like because small a, church, medium church. Because they had 150 people, I didn't have enough money for five hires. No, that's what I mean. Well, it's got one hire, and okay. then from there, the church is growing, two, three. Like, in yeah. what order would you begin to hire people? According mm -hmm. to your demographic, so each person might have a little bit different viewpoint they're going to come well, I from. talked to a pastor a couple weeks ago. They're in a church of probably 200. They have a full-time youth pastor, a part-time children's pastor, and the lead pastor was telling me how they are overwhelmed by administration because they don't have a secretary or an admin or anything like that. And I thought, you're a pretty expensive person to be doing that. Just organizationally, I wanted to say, yeah. you need to hire somebody that can do all of that, and so you can only do the things only you can do. Yeah. Right. And so... So they don't have a bookkeeper? <laughs> I don't know if they have a bookkeeper oh, okay. or not. I'm pretty sure they do. Yeah. So what's higher, what is higher one? You, you, you Maybe at first you don't have the money, you get to point though, you, your church has the income to hire the first hire besides, say, the pastor. Yeah. Or how do you, you know, how do you go about it? Maybe your wife is doing one job here and you're doing one job. Or you get to a point, though, you got to make the first hire. Who is it? I, I would... Again, I'm generalizing. I say that word a lot, but I would lean towards something to do with children and or worship slash multimedia before, technology. Before any administrative, like he's saying or anything, you, that's the first hire you I mean, I may, I mean, I might hire a, an admin, a part-time secretary, possibly before that just to help me out. I didn't do that for a long time, uh, so I'm not practicing what I preached. Um, <laughs> But I think if I could do it over again, outside of the admin kind of a controversy, it would be something to do with worship or children. I would probably go there first. Okay. You know? I'd do the same. Yeah. You know what, I didn't do it, but looking back, you'll get families that are looking at you, and you, you said it, David, your culture. Brighton mm -hmm. is kind of hometown USA, so people are coming in with their kids. Yep. If you're not gonna minister to their kids, you could be, not that I am, but you could be Paul the Apostle preaching. Right. They're not staying they're if not you're staying. they're right. not staying if you're a good that's preacher. A, yeah, yeah. They're staying, are you caring for my kids? Yep. So right, right. that's where I would go. The family yeah. life, yeah. maybe take care of all the kids and and disciple that out. But somebody watching from 18 and under is where I'd probably go. So that's the that you're telling me that's the first hire you're gonna make. Well, for me, <laughs> here we go with the bookkeeper. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, the thing is. You're not following that train? <laughs> no, um, it's not making sense to me because um, I came here, uh, we had 200 people within the first 10 months, I had 80 people. Um, You're doing a good job. Yeah, I, I was doing a great job. <laughs> you didn't and get a pay raise. Give us yeah, a yeah. No yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, it, for me, I needed a 
someone to organize <clears throat> me, mm -hmm. to help the administrative part. And also, no matter what, you're going to have finances coming in. I did not want to look over the finances. When you came to a hornet's nest of See, finances. I came to a, yeah, and every situation is different. But I came to a hornet's nest full of problems from the previous pastor, yeah. um, the administration before me, and I could not um, tie my name to that. And so uh, what I set up was I had to have four signatures for a check, and my name could not be one of them. Four? And four. And um, I'm sorry, it was four on the sheet that could do it, but two signatures. Two signatures two per signatures. check. Yeah, yeah, per check. I'm sorry. Um, but my name, I did not want my name attached to that at that in the beginning stage. And so I didn't want to be attached to the finances whatsoever. So the, the key that I was looking for was a, uh, a secretary that could do both. I didn't get that. I was hoping to get that. But I had to stretch myself to get a part-time bookkeeper that would come in two days a week and then a full-time secretary. And then I was able to stretch it to a, and I looked at my culture. My culture dictated a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. If it dictated a children, if it dictated a worship, I would go with that culture. And you got a youth pastor that was a worship pastor. He could do both. Later on, yeah. but yeah. He could do, you know, that's the, that's the goal. But uh, I did eventually get a youth pastor that could, that could do both, and that was a huge, huge help in the way of finances for me. But for me, I would encourage a pastor that's first studying off, he doesn't want his name and hands tied to the finances. He doesn't want his wife hands and name tied to the finances. Because? Because of all the issues that are uh, in church today and also the temptations that are exactly. out there. And so uh, that's the key. Uh, if it's part-time, full-time, whatever you're able to afford. But then after that, you know, if, if you're not building that foundation of somewhat of administration, everything else is going to fall. And so from that point, then I hired a... Creativity in the church can't blossom without administration. If right. there's nobody... Yeah building the structures yeah. so, they can't build. I'm not really sure. I, I think... So what do you guys... What's your thoughts uh, now that think, you've kind of heard I think, his thoughts? I think it shifts a little bit. As you're smaller, you want to get people that are multi-gifted. They can do two and three or four different things. Maybe not anything phenomenal, but there's there's some... there's some. Uh, uh, yeah, that shifts. Yeah, there's yeah. some... They as have, you grow. They have unique giftings, you know, and they can cover a lot of ground. As you get bigger... I think you can isolate and go, ah, oh, I need someone that can right. hit it out of the park in this area. They yeah, don't have to be good specialized. at this and that and that. Yeah. But in the early days, you got to get people that have multiple giftings. Right. And I, again, generalizing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I really believe I'm with, I'm with Brad. Um, I'm, I'm with Angelo over here. <laughs> we planted a church, so there wasn't Appreciate a lot of books to keep. There wasn't a lot of money. So we had to just think, and the, the town I'm from is very similar. Bedford, people are about their kids. Well, it's, it's our culture now. And so uh, their kids needed to be their children. Yeah. And so I was blessed. Rick, who was also, you know, uh, a guy I fathered, uh, could do children. Andy did youth. Okay. Yeah, that's great. And so it was that's awesome. So the incredible blessing. So the demographic of where you live is a little more kids-driven than youth-driven? Yeah, and in the town of 28,000, we had five elementary schools. Wow. You know, that's amazing. Yeah, and then two big schools. I mean, they're D1 schools. It's a big school system. And so there's a lot of congestion of families. And mom and dad come, and a lot of them came. We had a little nursery. I remember one family. They had like six kids, and they just said, you don't have the room here for our family mm -hmm. before we had built when we were small, and they left. They came back later, and they yeah. stayed for the last 18 years. But... Um, you got to have something for our children. Yeah. Mom and dad want to know their children to take care of. And like Brad said, you can preach it. Your worship can be incredible. They will put up with mediocre preaching and worship if their kids want to come to church and Absolutely. love church. Yeah, that's true. See, in Absolutely. my case, I had when I came here, we had $300,000 coming in per year. And it went down to about maybe 200000 And so I think when you plan a church... You don't see those kind of numbers in the beginning. So each pastor, uh, now if I was to plan a church, 
and uh, there wasn't much money at all coming in, I would totally lean yeah, to what he is saying. Well, we had a family, I remember a couple, and I was kind of surprised they visited them and I knew them from the community. And I go, well, how are you doing with, you know, kind of our Pentecostal distinctives? And dad's like, oh, we don't believe any of that. But my kids love Pastor Rick and Beth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I believe it. True that. Yeah. Well, to yeah. this day, just last week, yeah. I had a, a beautiful young couple uh, in their family uh, start attending the last month. I just talked to them last week, and they said, hey, we really don't care about the preaching. We don't care about this. We don't care about this. It's the children. Yeah. It's because of you your children's pastor that wow. why we're here. Absolutely. And, you know, you're... Had, it's good for your the pride situation. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Until their children become youth, and it's about the youth ministry. Yeah, yeah. 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 you know that. There's a student ministry going. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's right. That's true. That's true. Okay, so let's just say bookkeeper, secretary, administration, kids, youth, worship. There's like let's just say roughly a top five. Yeah. Let's go now. Somebody has more of a medium-sized church. They they could be running 500 or so somewhere in there. Let's say, and they're growing. And there's the next step. What's a next step they could take? You have so many like very interesting positions out there now where before it was literally that simple in ministry when you started. Now you have creative ministry of all these things. Where are some of the things, because each of your visions are a little different, where are some of the places you would take new steps and strides now? What kind of hires would you have to kind of take your church now to the next level to reach more people? David, you got to hear it. Nate shared with me a new hire he's making at their church. It's more than 500, but you got to tell them about your hire. It's 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 awesome. Yeah, we're hired. We've had a guy that's been part time, and he's uh, retiring early from the school system, so he can be full time small groups pastor. Because mm. I really believe, you know, we got to make disciples, and everything can't be service oriented anymore. People want relationships, and uh, so part time. We had about fifty small groups. I'm excited that he's going to go full time because when we come out of COVID, man, people yeah. are going to want to connect more than just sit in a service, they want to gather around a circle and talk about Jesus and That's grow. Good. And so I really think we have to have a small group strategy in this day and age, for sure. Yeah. No, COVID's going to be a game changer, I think. Right. Right. Coming out of this, we're, we're filming this, you know, towards the end of 2020, but in moving forward, we don't know what it looks like, but people need relationships. They've got to be connected. And so to, to facilitate a culture yeah. where people are getting connected, small groups. If you have the possibilities, Nate started out with that gentleman part-time, moving them to full-time. If you can bring somebody on that'll just help with the, the supernatural connections that people have to have in the body of Christ, I think it's the, the wave that's yeah. got to be nurtured in the future. Building family, like Fam we talked yeah. about. Yeah. Building family. I, I would also say, like maybe about a year and a half ago, I hired an executive pastor who's extremely personal. And as the staff got bigger and I couldn't spend as much time with them individually, you know, we started losing some of that family. We started losing some of that culture. Yeah. And this guy helped take care of the staff. Is really helping me, shall I say, take care of the staff, mm -hmm. which I think is key as you get to five, six, and 700. If you don't take care of your, your leaders, your pastors, right? You know, then your culture becomes very weak and unhealthy. Yeah. And and ours was because we were not, just if they're not healthy, the yeah, church they're not healthy. Is not healthy. We were just we were a machine, you know, going on to the next greatest thing. And I could see in their eyes, and I kept hesitating to hire the executive, thinking we can do this. We've always done it without the executive, but my executive's primary role is to take care of that staff, and to make sure that the staff and I are connected, kind yeah. of a thing. So that's a that's a huge hire. And that's I would agree with thing. Nate. The the uh, Small group, life group, uh, pastor, something you really want to want to consider. That's something we're getting ready to do as well as we as as the as we get close to 2021 in that. Yeah, that's good. This day and age too. Do you guys think uh, how important it is to have really credible marketing, graphics, social media? Yep. I was thinking that. Got it. Yeah, and that, and I can uh, huge. huge talk off of that. The difficulty I found between four and six hundred was. I have big vision, but I, the, the, the money wasn't there. And between the four and 600, I remember we, I really struggled because um, I had a youth pastor. Um, I had big dreams for films, film in the media. And so eventually we had a film media pastor. And um, 
I had big dreams for missions. Um, but before I got a missions pastor, um, I had to sort of take a guy that I previously was my youth pastor, but still with me. I had to sort of shift him around areas. And uh, we weren't, like during that time, we weren't big into um, small groups. Uh, we are now, but we weren't big into small groups. Yeah. So it was very difficult for me. Uh, it was very frustrating for me because my vision was so big, but the money was not there. But I knew I had to uh, deal with the basics. Now, for me and my culture, the basics were youth, children, and uh, this um, graphics, media, creative, film, the yeah. creative side to reach this millennial, to reach the younger generation. I knew that I had to have that, which we have uh, now that we're at the size we're at, now I have a full-time um, small groups, uh, not a pastor, but a director. Um, you know, I have film media, youth, I have a missions pastor that looks over $400,000 of missions money. Um, you know, all of a sudden after that uh, 600 mark, um, I started seeing how um, I was able to venture out uh, more. But in that middle, it, it became extremely frustrating for me. Yeah. And what, what we've found to do too, say with our, our creative department, is the creative department will oversee all the aesthetics, the lighting, you know, the creativity within the auditorium, the worship department, all of the designs and marketing and social media, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, a good suggestion, I think, for maybe some people listening, when you talk about small groups, we have an integrations director. She oversees serve teams. She oversees mm. all of, we call them circles, our small groups. She oversees Activate, which is our next steps with discipleship. So it's nice because somebody comes through Activate. They come to the church, they get yeah. saved, they go into Activate. They immediately start serving on a serve team. They immediately get plugged into a circle. She oversees all of that functionality because it really is one banner of connectivity that's happening. And so uh, maybe that's but, an option for people. But with listen. that, say just with that, yeah. I couldn't hire a person. I couldn't hire her in right. the mid, but... My youth pastor did part of that. Yes. My missions pastor that is now my missions pastor, he did part of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it was, you know, it's a, uh, like a chess yeah. thing. Right. Uh, Where there's a will, pieces. there's a way. Yeah, there's, yeah. A will, yeah. exactly. the way, there's a way. And also, my, thank God for my volunteers that I kept on building up and building up prior to that. Mm -hmm. But there is that mid-range that if you are pastoring in that mid-range, um, and you have this big vision, uh, it, it's going to get there. Yeah. But it's, it's, almost like, it's almost like they say once you get over 200, 400 is pretty easy. But then you get to you know, 400, and then getting to that next level is really difficult. But a lot of times when you get to 600, then the next level gets easier. And um, I, would, so, I would echo the argument of, up-and-coming pastors and or leaders that you'd want to hire would be connections mm -hmm. as well as the social media slash technology creative stuff yeah. i mean that's if you get behind on those two things yeah man it's yeah. it's right. tough to catch up yeah and we've paid the price I, for that now i think we have hospitality great connection hospitality yeah, now yeah, yeah. what's huge. expected now yeah is way different than what was expected right, when we right. started the church. Yeah, right. that's good. Well, we didn't a, think of serving everyone coffee. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I look forward that to when COVID's like, over and we can get back to that. Yeah. But um, now well, we, hospitality is a totally different beast. Yeah, yes, it yeah, is. Yeah. We, do, we do that, but we just have the sheets up, you know, or that plexiglass up. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, one you. thing that he said, these guys were talking about, was the, um, the graphic, the, you know. Graphic. One good point is... Um, I will go to my graphic guy and I will, because my generation, I'll say, yeah, I want this to be my title. And that guy will look at me and say, well, Pastor, let me work at it for a while. Yeah. And he'll come back with something so incredible that I'm like, oh, Lord, my title was so old. Or, uh, you know, that thinking yeah. was yeah. different generation. And it's being willing to sort of submit to then, even yeah, that. We're going to talk about even, yeah. you know, working in a multi-generational team. We're going to talk about that soon in another episode. Uh, but I think as a leader, you have to be able to do it. Say, hey, mm -hmm. these are good ideas. I can lean into that. Let's shift uh, just a little bit here. Okay, so you're hiring people. 
what if you hired the wrong person? Let's talk about that. Or, you guys ever hired or what if uh, you're, you're <laughs> oh, going yeah. through, you're trying to hire people, and you guys talked about in a previous episode about just compassion and, and managing compassion versus, you know, having either to let people go or, you know, and I think true compassion should never disable the ministry. Right. True mm-hmm. compassion always enables the ministry. So talk to me about this. How do you manage compassion? How do you navigate as a pastor and as a boss, and you're constantly having to, like, you're pastoring your team, yet you're having to, like you said, we work hard. You know, we have to produce. This is, a, this is your job, right? So how do you guys manage that compassion? How do you navigate between being a pastor and a boss? Well, I'm trying to throw you some I'm good an, ones I'm here. A, That's good. On the Enneagram, I'm an eight. But Me when too. I'm healthy, I lean into a seven. And so, um, are you ever healthy? That's my problem. <laughs> more than I used to be. <laughs> Good. I'll get there. <laughs> Got a few decades, but I, I think when you have when you, it's our responsibility to manage the organization. Just just to sound very secular. Yeah. And if we have employees, just to sound very secular, pastors, whether they're employees or support or anything, not doing their job, it's our responsibility to correct that. And that's where the compassion has to come in. Mm. I have to intentionally think that when I'm walking into somewhere to make correction, because it's just black and white to me. I can just communicate it very simply. And the other person is just like, oh my gosh, you know? And so it's got to be very intentional. And I, I have to take a little time before I do that, that I don't do it impulsively as an eight, because then that's just too strong. And then there is no compassion. Because compassion can still come through with correction. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is okay to correct. It is okay to make a good decision Mm -hmm. for the livelihood of the church, of the organization, while also being compassionate. That is compassion. Jesus did that with Peter. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I I think uh, we talked about it in a previous episode about the idea of being a spiritual father. And each one of these men and uh, leaders, men and women uh, over the church, uh, Paul uses the the perception of overseer, uh, David, that the overseer has a perspective that nobody else has. And it's incumbent upon the leadership to be truthful and out of a compassionate heart. And uh, I think that the the mix is just huge, that uh, our spiritual fathers that influenced us, they were honest with us. If if my dad had had heard me say, well, man, I want to I want to be a, a, a musical, uh, uh, traveling with a musical group. He would, he would say, Brad, you know what? Here's the truth, okay? You, know you don't want to do that because you don't have that gift package. Yeah. And, and that's an extreme example, David. But I think many people in the kingdom, they miss it because people haven't spoke the truth in love. And you want to go back to a, a, the idea of culture, I know each one of these guys around the table, they love their team, but they're truthful with them. And that's what sets them apart. They don't tell people just what they want to hear. They don't set them up for failure by encouraging them going down the wrong path. But a culture of truthfulness and honesty, truth with love. You know what? Uh, They said that about Jesus, right? Jesus was full of grace and and truth. truth. And so we've got to do that. You're really hindering the culture if you have somebody on the team who's not doing the job well or there's a lack of chemistry. And I've made that mistake too many times where I've hung on to the person too long or didn't try to correct it soon enough. You hinder the the culture of the team. And and you're really not showing compassion to the individual if you're not speaking into their life and pouring into them. You know, that's not compassion. You know, uh, that's not that's not fathering, that's not mentoring, that's not discipling. It's surely not creating a healthy culture, and in effect, and eventually they will affect the culture of the team. Right. right. Especially if they're not they're not holding up their own kind of a thing. And I've made the mistake of holding on to people probably a little longer than I should have yeah. because of the compassion thing. You know, and then you pay the price later. Well, so, I heard it said once: we don't grow because we won't let people go. Yeah. Yep. And there comes a time where compassion does not, you can't overcome character flaws with compassion. Right. Sadly. I learned early on um, because I hired out of compassion. Right. And uh, that came back to really, really uh, hit me in the face. 
And so now I, I have learned not to hire out of compassion. Again, you know, I talked about earlier the family. Uh, we have to understand, you know, it's like I said to the people a little while ago, uh, the Christian, the Christ follower family is the most important family because we're going to live together for eternity. Right. You know, so the family is so, you know, important, but the family has to understand they got to be ready for the uh, disciplines and, you know, so we, we show out of compassion, I've learned with my staff, uh, my pastoral team, uh, uh, to be extremely honest with them, yeah. extremely yeah. honest with them. And if they cannot take my honesty, uh, then, you know, they know they can work somewhere else. Um, uh, it, because I want to be so compassionate, I want to be so compassionate that I let them work somewhere else. Yeah. And so it's, it's very important to show compassion that way because now I'm helping that person. Uh, back 18 years ago, when I hired the wrong individual, um, uh, finally after about, I think, a year that they were here, I said, basically, uh, I'm going to show compassion and you can leave because, uh, and that will look better on your resume or I'm going to fire you. And, um, and, you know, and I said, at that point, I'm willing to lose five families over you, yeah. you know, because I have to be so compassionate for the family yeah. because you're messing up. They the were hurting the culture. Like they Pastor were hurting Angela the said. culture. Sure. And so uh, thank the Lord that the team I have now, the pastoral team, they will, I mean, literally listen to my um, honesty and then we can go out to lunch the next moment and Man, just talk about family. Talk about yeah. this. Talk, and you know that's the uh, meaning. You you put on the ha the hat of boss. Yeah. You correct them, and then you take it off. Put on pastor. Hey, what do you want to go get for lunch? Right? Yeah, totally. And I believe you know this. I believe very strongly in accountability. The day we're living in, if a pastor doesn't believe in that and doesn't practice that, he's going to fall. Um, and and one of those things is one of my pastors that's on staff. Well, all my pastors, we're all accountable to each other. We all talk very openly. But one in particular one, um, he's like my accountability partner, if you would call it that. And man, I've been extremely open and honest with him. And uh, but then the next step, we're talking about uh, being accountable to yeah. each other, like and, business accountability, yeah. it's kind of shifting. And if and if uh, they have a hard time with that, um, you know, eventually God will open up a door and they can leave. But I haven't had that issue for the last 15, 16 years, and so um, yeah. So yeah, uh, you talked earlier. I want to talk about this because uh, actually you referenced it. I can't remember if it was a previous episode or this one. It's all blending together in my mind here. Your executive pastor has been with you 20-some years? 24 years. 24 years. You've had uh, somebody with you 15 years. Do you guys have any similar stories? I don't know. I've had someone 11 or 12, 11, 12. range, long-term, long 10, 12, okay. 14 years. So you guys have had longevity with your staff, yeah. okay? So uh, you referenced something. I just want to talk about it, see any thoughts we can springboard off of it, of not just always looking quickly to outside hire, Right. But to see what's within and build within. Now, uh, you referenced in a previous episode about fathering Pastor Rick, I think his mm -hmm. name is, where you fathered him at an early point, and now he's been with you this long. And, and uh, you referenced uh, Pastor Paul, and these, this is what's in my mind right now. Uh, but I think what hits me is you had an outside hire that you brought in, didn't work out. That's what you had to let go. And I'm not saying that's the story with everyone. Right. But what's the advantages of hiring within? How do you go about that? Because I think a lot of pastors think, well, if I can just hire this person, a youth pastor, whatever, it's going to fix my problems, right. where half the right. time it creates more right. problems, let's right. say. And again, I haven't been there. I'm just going off of you guys' stories. So uh, how do you begin to do that hiring process within? Do you look at your different volunteers, and, and, and do you look at how are they serving, or do you give them an opportunity to serve? Or what's a step you would take, say, with people within the church that way? I'm just up, up there serving. Okay. And some I've even met with and said, I see something in your life long term. And I'm, I see leadership. I see spiritual leadership. Have you ever thought about being a pastor? Have you ever thought being a youth pastor? Have you ever thought about it? And then they usually say, oh, I have, but I'm not qualified. Or, you know, I didn't go to Bible college. And they think that's the only yeah. route. And then you can help bring 
and then hiring from within, man, you guys know. They know your DNA. They know you. They know what you expect. They've watched you for years. You don't have to do any of that training because right. I've done both. Mm-hmm. All of our staff now except one is from within. Okay. And that new staff person definitely feels he's not from within. And so taking time to get him to know us and yeah. the culture and me, it's, it's a lot more effort. Yeah. It's going to pay off. Yeah. Then he's going to be one of us. I think the huge key. And I'll have him forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the huge key of even what he's saying is they, they, um, you were their pastor for years. Yeah. That's a huge key. Is there a hard transition between you were their pastor to now they have to get you as their boss? A little bit for me, it was a little bit uh, going back to Pastor Paul. Um, uh, I, I even told him in the beginning, you know, after the honeymoon stage and, you know, we're all loving yeah. each other and everybody's excited. And then the honeymoon stage is over and that's about four or six months into it. Um, I said, if you're with me after one year, um, still, that's when we're going to collide. Something is going to happen something you know, and again we were 150 people at the time and sure enough after a year something happened and i and i even warned him beforehand i said when that time comes you will either uh deal with it and or you'll you'll walk you'll want to go back to secular work he was um 31 when i hired him 32 uh so he was uh, a manager at like an engine plant beforehand. And so he, he knew the secular field pretty good. And um, so, yeah, we went through that and it was a, uh, it was a good one. Uh, yeah. It was a tough one, but he managed through that. Um, but then I helped him manage through that. Yeah. Now, the, this is the tough part. Now, when we got to around 700 and now to bring in somebody from within, I just don't have that time. Like I, like I uh, right. shared with uh, Paul earlier, I don't have that time. I had the time a little bit, but not, the, not yeah. a lot of the time like I used to. So that's where, you know, like uh, a youth pastor would come in, like yourself or one of my other guys, that, like Pastor Paul. Right now, Pastor Paul is helping me uh, father, mentor, our children's pastor. Uh, so it's not all dependent on me. And so that, that's what yeah, helps me that's out. That's a good thought. Could you guys tell me strategically, what would you do? You know, because it's not like somebody walks to the door and it's like, that's my next hire. It doesn't always happen like that. You finally find them at some point. But what's, what kind of strategic steps could some pastors and leaders listening take to develop volunteers and teams to give a an opportunity, a platform for someone to quote unquote shine, that's not the purpose, but so that you will notice them, right? So what ministries, if you can speak to whether it's men's ministry or different areas that you've set up, what are some strategic things you could do to help build volunteerism and things in your church so that people can be noticed? Not even just for that purpose, but even building volunteers and those teams in your church anyways, that's, that's needed ushers and children's direct workers and all these things. What are some things that you've done to build those things? I think, David, that uh, the spiritual principle that the Lord teaches, if you're faithful with the little things, he'll make us ruler over more. And I think uh, each good leader kind of takes the approach, watch me do it to begin with, and are they teachable? And then do it with me. You know what, watch me see you do it, and then you do it on your own. I think those four stages, do it, watch me, do it with me, watch, let me watch you do it and uh, critique you, and then you do it in launching them to ministry. Uh, again, what we've talked about is huge too. Just yeah. culture within our lives. To, culture is uh, what people do without having to be told. And every church has a culture. And uh, rather than even teaching ministry, they learn the culture or know the culture. Your dad and you are an example. Uh, Angelo and Nate mentioned it. Man, the greatest victories in, in our ministry in Brighton have been people that, man, I had a nursery director. Darren and Wendy came, uh, were our nursery leaders for nine years, but then to launch them to pastor in Mason, Michigan. And now they're at, at uh, our church, our daughter church in Clarkston on staff. The, those wow. are great things, but 
watch us, do it with us, let us watch you do it, and then do it on your own. That's great. I, I think it's That's great, stages. great steps. We, we've tried to uh, put together a strategy that's worked pretty well for us. Uh, we call it doer, developer, and director. Mm, and then good. eventually, potentially on staff kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So if they're not a doer initially, if they're not doing anything, if they're not serving. Take an initiative. Take an initiative. Right. So they have to be able to to know the, the what the trenches are like, and they got to be able to do some of the, the work themselves, right? So then all of a sudden you start seeing that doer begin to develop as an individual and their character and develop others mm -hmm. under them. And they're like, oh, all right. And then you say, well, why don't you move into a director's role? Now you have developers under you and you have doers under you. That's the kind of person we're looking, we're looking to great. hire. We're, we're trying to get away from hiring doers. Right. Now, are there some roles on the staff that you just need a doer? Sure. But again, I'm generalizing again, that you want to hire people that know how to develop mm. and know how to direct, know how to lead because, right. you know, spirits reproduce spirits. And you want right. leaders to reproduce leaders. You want directors to reproduce directors. Mm. Now, we don't have it fully, fully flowing yet, right. but it's, it's starting to work really good for us. It's a great strategy, though. Thanks, great. I love it when I see somebody coming to church and you know that you say to yourself in your mind, you guys probably do this, we're like, I wish I could hire them. Yeah. That's yeah. usually the beginning. Yeah. yeah. That's usually the That's beginning great. because they're consistent, they're responsible. Um, they're teachable. obviously they're teachable. They're yeah. re they're responding to the Lord. They're just not sitting on their phone while you're speaking. <laughs> they're engaging in worship. Their hands are raised. They love Jesus. They love people. They don't leave the building the minute you say amen. They uh -huh. they come yeah. to some extra stuff. They're involved in a small group. You just say, I wish I could hire them. And then then the next thing is I'm going to and then you start, I start thinking, how, how can I make that happen? And what could I put them over to see? Yeah. You know, you know what's a, a big part of that, too, is people that you see potential in their lives. One of the attributes is they don't just identify problems. They're, they're solution-oriented. They're like, hey, pastor, what if we tried this? Or, or would this work? And they, they, wanna, they can identify the problem, but they're looking further down the road to say, I, I've got plenty of people that can identify the problem. Hey, you could do this better. That. How, how about the ones that can really see the answer of where it needs to go? Those are, those are gold mines. Right. And I would yeah. throw in there just real quick, back it up a little bit. When you're hiring people from within, they know the culture, as Nate said, they know the DNA. I've had way less problems with people hiring from within. Now, every now and then, you just don't have that gift mix. Yeah. Right. So you go from with you have to go from without. Although you might disagree. But and I will well, say this, I would say this, when we have gone from without, that's when we've had some headaches. Now sometimes it's worked out great. Yeah. But more of our headaches when that yeah. individual moves on have been with people that were never part of Rock Church. And we found them somewhere else. They've caused us a lot of headaches when, they, when they've moved on. Uh, yeah. yeah, when I was a little bit smaller church, um, say like 100 people, um, I didn't have the finances to hire uh, certain individuals, so I concentrated on volunteers. Um, because I thought you said earlier about, you know, how do we go about even getting yeah, volunteers absolutely. for, because like today, um, we didn't have this problem 23 years ago when I came here, but we have this problem today uh, with shooters coming in churches. Mm. So right away, I think a pastor, I don't care uh, what size the church is, he should be concerned about security. He should be concerned about getting ushers, getting people uh, involved in this area to protect the family. And so uh, I went to this one guy, um, I was only here a year, and I said, uh, I want, who's the baddest, toughest looking <laughs> dude, uh, I want you to show me who, who you think could help me be maybe my head usher. And so there's some chances that you just have to take. And, and I, you're picking on me with the Godfather? I know. Yeah. An usher, <laughs> he was like a like <laughs> thug version of Mr. Well, Clean. He came out of, he yeah, used man. to be a part of a gang in Detroit. And that's how he grew up. I mean, this bald headed, Big guy. Easy. Uh, <laughs> did he carve wood? Did he carve wood? <laughs> but nice. all of a sudden, he was introduced to me, and I brought him 
you know, we had this little meeting, and of course, he was going to the church for a while. And I said, would you like to be my head usher? He said, me? I, I come from a broken home. I've had divorce in my life. Um, you're asking me? I said, yeah, because you look mean. Uh, and I, I think you might have the stuff. I literally took a chance on him. Yeah, you literally took a chance on him. And get this, two years later, come on. He, uh, he was still my head usher. He was helping me. Him and his wife were ushering together. They were uh, sort of like, uh, you know, uh, the fever was spreading type of thing. Yeah, where teams. other building teams, other couples started uh, developing. That's what he was other doing. Other couples started. And then all of a sudden, he uh, hit a brick. He hit a, you know, a wall in his life. And he took it out on me. Oh, boy. And I, we're in a corner. Oh, big in bald the, guy taking it out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're in a corner together. I want to see how this and ends. And I would not back down on him. And uh, he literally picked me up, put me against the wall. My no feet kidding. are dangling. Dude, it would have been on. Yeah. <laughs> and I pointed my finger and I said, you better shape up right now. You have the stuff. Stop doing this. Something like that. And because I knew he had the stuff. I, at that point... I had so much faith in him, so much trust, but he just hit a... While he was assaulting you, you still believed. <laughs> he didn't yeah. assault me. He just lifted me up. <laughs> no, Peter Carlson. Right. That's not assault. Hey, you know when they would lift up Moses' arms? Yeah. They lifted him up. It's the same, same exact thing. thing. I, well, I Peter Carlson here, right? Yeah. <laughs> I had a discerning spirit about this man. Oh, man. And, uh, and I knew because of his past, yeah. he was dealing with so much insecurity. Brokenness. He was, oh, yeah. terrible. And I knew it. And I was not going to give up on him. Today, he has developed. He's still my head usher today. What else is he? He is over my security. I, I have an incredible security team. We have um, ushers on the outside in the parking lot ushers, the greeters, the security. The, uh, he, he now has duplicated himself multiple Great. times. He has head ushers under him. And I mean, other churches come here just to get his training from him. But uh, that is one. Sometimes we just have to take yeah. chances. What's the punchline, though? What is he to you? What is, where has he arrived now? Well, he's, uh, he's like an accountability, if that's what you're asking. He's like accountability. He is one of four of your deacons. He is one of four, and uh, he, oh, he's awful. now a deacon after 12 years. He's been on, been on the board and helps oversee now the whole church with yeah. the pastor. And I mean, the man is, him and his wife are incredible, That's incredible. Great. That's awesome. And, and those, were, those were like uh, moments in my life where I, I knew I took a chance, but um, uh, I, I believe it was Holy Spirit-led. That's good. Mm -hmm. And we just have to sometimes do that. And... And it, and it works out well. That's it so good. Well. I mean, That's all so I can good. think about is if he can pick up and almost beat up a pastor. Yeah. What, well, what do you think he'll do to a criminal? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I wouldn't mess with him. Yeah. That's good. And, and I was scared to death when he picked me up. But I, I looked at him and pointed, and I said, you're better than that. You yeah. have the spirit of God in you. And I just encouraged him. Put me down. That's awesome. <laughs> Put me down. <laughs> That's awesome, though. I mean, I, it's like when you're saying, like, man, when you see him, it's like, I want to hire that person. The people are there. Yes, it's over are, time. Yeah. Sometimes it's just you got to start with volunteers, and maybe it can turn into a hire, but the people are there. I want to have you pray in a second, but for those that are watching or listening, I just want to tell you this. We want to get your input, and we would love to hear if you have questions, thoughts, maybe things you'd like to hear more about. We're hoping that this is encouraging and helping you. You can either email us at equip at gwfamily.com or go to gwfamily.com slash equip. Get a hold of us. We would love to hopefully help you with some more of your questions or thoughts that you have. Hopefully this ministered to you and even gave you some uh, strategy and some things that you guys shared. I love that. Do, what is it? Doer, developer, and director. director. I love that. I love that. I love that. Pastor, would you just pray over, I know there's there's some even some hurting pastors or churches and they're like, mm -hmm. man, I hear some of their story of what they got right now. I don't got anybody close to that on my team. Can we just bless and pray and believe mm -hmm. that God's going to open their eyes? God's going to send people through the doors, even in the midst of what's happened with COVID 19. Right. People are going to walk through the doors. Yes. Amen. And send teams them, are going to be built. Amen. Healthy teams, healthy church, healthy individuals. We just pray. Could all of us pastors just lift our hands to that center camera and pray for these pastors? God, right now, 
we pray a pray blessing. Mm -hmm. We pray an anointing upon yeah, these pastors Jesus, and their wives right it, now. Lord. Dear Lord, Lord, we're in a time in the midst of COVID. We're in a time in the midst of a darkness. Mm -hmm. And dear Jesus, right now where pastors are discouraged, Pastors, they're not even sure, many of them, if they're going to make it out of this. They are going to make it out of this. And dear Lord, right now, strengthen their hearts, strengthen their minds, strengthen their soul, dear God. Strengthen their marriage. And dear God, Lord, right now, let them know that that same spirit that is uh, on them before COVID is the same spirit that's on them during COVID. Yes. And dear God, the church is awesome. The church is great that even the gates of hell cannot come against it. Thank you, Jesus. And dear Lord, so we pour that upon that pastor. Yes. Dear God, give them the volunteers. Them. Start, uh, Lord, up, opening Lord. up their minds, open up their hearts to different areas, dear God, within their uh, flock, small, within their Lord, church. And dear Lord, right now, you're going to build up foundations like never before. God, it just takes a man or a woman to have vision of you, dear God. So, Lord, create that within them. In your precious name, amen. 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 Amen.